Hey, good morning, everyone. So we are starting a new series looking and looking at and understanding the real Jesus. And I am really excited about this because I want us to look into the word of God, to look in the scriptures and see what Jesus says about himself. And, and I'm hoping that the scriptures that we're going to pull out provoke you a little bit to challenge you on maybe some of your perceptions about Jesus or maybe some of your misunderstandings about Jesus or what we feel like Jesus needs to do for us. And I think sometimes if we're not careful, we take our circumstances and when they don't seem to work out the way we want them to do, we can easily redefine Jesus and what he desires for us. So um, be ready to be provoked. Just a little bit. I want to provoke you just a little bit. How, How many have ever been misunderstood for somebody that you weren't? Have you ever been? I remember one time I was in a, uh, I was in a hospital and someone misunderstood me or, or thought I was a doctor. I said, no, but I do play one on TV, by the way. So, um, you know, it's funny. My, my dad just, I don't know if he has that face or that look, but anytime we're out, people always think he works at the certain store we're at. So they're always asking questions like, excuse me, do you know where so, my da- so my dad's like, where's dad going with that person? I'm like, what happened? They go, they were asking where the so-and-so was, and I knew it was on aisle four, so I just took him over to aisle four and let them know where to go. And then he's, then he's checking people out at the cash register. I'm like, what is going on here? No. Um, you know, it's it's interesting. Have you ever have you ever have you ever prejudged someone and you were completely off base on that person? Isn't that a humbling experience when you when you think someone maybe it's uh, maybe it's like this? You thought they were really nice, only to find out they weren't nice. You're like, oh, that's not what I thought. And I know some people think I'm really nice until you go on a mission trip with me and you see me in an airport. I turned vicious because we've got to make that connecting gate. And, and people are like, Pastor Barton, I thought you were so nice. Why are you yelling at me? I go, just start running. Just start running. We've got to make this, this gate. Um, or maybe, maybe you thought someone was aloof or maybe snobby only to find out, wow, I, I really had the wrong impression of you only to find out that you, know, you were a, a really uh, nice person. You know, it, it's hard because we don't, we don't want to be misunderstood or mischaracterized. I mean, I think that's the difficult thing. We, we can say things like, well, I really don't care what people think of me, yet in reality, we do care what people think for this reason. We don't want to be mischaracterized. We want people to understand our heart. We want people to understand our motive. We want people to know who we are and to understand where we're coming from. This doesn't mean that we live our lives trying to please everyone, because that would just be pretty miserable. But even Jesus was misunderstood at times. And I want us to really understand who the real Jesus is. And it's interesting how many people, how they maybe see Jesus today. Most, maybe many would say like, oh yeah, I can, I can give you that he was a good man or that he did good things or that he was a religious man. But what makes Jesus different? And why should we care? See, what, what sets Jesus apart and and why should we care and i want us to understand and know the real jesus I, i want us to separate maybe what is said of jesus today that has no basis in scripture and really understand what the word of god says about jesus so we're going to look at a really hard passage today so what we're going to do is we're going to look at some difficult scriptures that have a lot of tension with it like how do we work this out because on the surface it just seems like Jesus didn't care. 
It, it seems like was, was he just standoffish in this certain situation? And so I really want to look at, at his character and understand who Jesus is. And see, in order for us to understand the real Jesus, we, we need to know what he says about himself. Not what I say, not what other people think, but what does he say about himself? There's a very interesting passage uh, of Scripture that describes for us this dialogue between John the Baptist and Jesus. Uh, And I I want to give you a little background here. Uh, John the Baptist is in prison, and he, he, he goes to his disciples and he says, hey, I want you to go back to Jesus and ask if he really is the one or should I be looking for somebody else? To me, this is really interesting because John the Baptist is the one that prepares the way for Jesus. John the Baptist understands his Messiahship. John the Baptist is the one who baptizes Jesus. John the Baptist is the one who says, he's somebody that I can't even untie his sandals. John the Baptist is the one that says, I must decrease and he must increase when his disciples are saying, hey, his people are baptizing more than our people and what's going on? Because their people seem like they're better than our people and we need to do something about this. Like West Side Story, we're going to have a a rumble and, you know, who's baptizing more? I mean, what's going on here? And so what does John say? John understands his purpose. He goes, wait a minute, time out. Time out. My job is done. I'm to fade off into the distance. I must decrease and he must increase. My job was to prepare the way of the Messiah. And so I must back off. So this is an interesting thing. So let me give you the background here. John the Baptist is in prison. And the reason why he's put there by Herod Antipas John was awaiting his death, and John spoke against Antipas and his corruption. Now, let me give you, this is like a soap opera, so let me explain to you if you you don't know the background. Herodias was the wife of Herod, and she's really the one that was behind all of this, persuading Herod to actually kill John. And so what John does is, John speaks up and just gives the truth and rebukes Herod for divorcing his wife and basically marrying Herodias, who was his niece. Now, now this, if that's not bad, it even gets better than this. Um, Herodias used to be married to Herod's wife. This sounds like a bad soap opera on TV. I mean, this is really, it, 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 it's really interesting. So um, prison wasn't enough for John the Baptist. She wanted him dead. She didn't like him for speaking up. Now, Herod was not that adamant against John the Baptist. He would listen to him. He wasn't adamant. He goes, okay, I'll put him in prison. But what happens is at his, at his birthday party, um, Herodias' daughter dances, entertains everybody. Well, Herod likes this. And he basically says, whatever you want, I'll give to you. And so uh, Herodias whispers in her daughter's ear and says, I'll tell you what you should ask for, John the Baptist's head. Now what's Herod going to do? He's going to have egg on his face if he doesn't follow through with this. And that's exactly what happened. It's just a sad story. And here John speaks up. John's waiting in prison. And then he, he goes to his disciples. Hey, is he the one? Should I wait for someone else? So here John had supported Jesus, baptized Jesus, prepared the way for Jesus. John pointed others to Jesus, even said he, Jesus, must increase and I must decrease. John knew that his ministry was complete. He believed in his Messiahship. So John is in jail and he has doubts. And he's not completely sure about Jesus. So let's understand what's going on here. Let's look at Matthew chapter 11. It's recorded for us in verses 2 through 6. So here's the dialogue. It says, Now John 
uh, John heard in prison about the deeds of the Christ. And then he sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? And then Jesus answered them. He said, Go tell John what you hear and what you see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up, and the poor have good news to preach to them. Now the clincher is verse 6. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. That's what we're going to look at today. Can we easily be offended by Jesus when things don't go our way? This is the question. So if you're looking for a comfy, cozy sermon today, you didn't find it. Sorry, don't tune me off online. So keep watching. Keep coming because we're going to get somewhere where this is important for us to hear because this is, this is a tense dialogue. This is interesting. It seems like Jesus is unsympathetic for John in his circumstances. That's what it would look like on the surface. Why such confidence at first and now such insecurity? We know John is in jail. He's awaiting his execution. He's alone. He's suffering. And he's wondering, how can I believe when this is happening to me? And we've all gone through the same thoughts. We've all struggled with the same thing. We've all asked ourselves these questions, or maybe someone has asked you these series of questions. How can I believe in God when there's so much pain in the world? Does God not care? Does he not see the plight of our world and what's going on? Why, why doesn't he do something about it? How can God be a good God and allow such suffering? Or maybe you've asked yourself this, God, why would you allow me to go through this? And Jesus says, blessed are those who are not offended by me. Some even struggle or are offended by the claims that Jesus makes. Because the claims Jesus makes are very exclusive, some of them, especially when Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes unto the Father except through me. That's pretty exclusive, isn't it? He's, he's saying no one else, no other religious figure. That's pretty exclusive, and some people are offended by that. Many are offended by the claims. How do we know that he can be the only way? That offends me to think that Jesus would make such a claim. And so what we end up doing is to fit our own theology, to make Jesus more palatable, we begin to change who Jesus is. We begin to reinterpret what he said. Here's what I want to challenge you with, church. When we're faced with a challenging verse of Scripture, let's dig in to see what it means, not what I think it means, or not to make it make me feel good. But let's see what it says. There's a reason for it. And Jesus wants to challenge his disciples, his followers, to grow in him, to understand his character, and the way that Jesus responds to John the Baptist is perfect. It's not that he doesn't care. It's actually words of comfort. And we're going to dig in to see what that means. So here's the mistake we can make. We can turn Jesus into the person that we actually want. If something Jesus says offends us, we can easily change what he meant by making his teaching more palatable. We can't run that risk, church. We have to interpret, correctly interpret what the scriptures say and what Jesus means to say about himself. We may think, well, I want the Jesus who can help me or make my life better, and if it doesn't happen, then I doubt his authenticity. 
In order to truly know Jesus, we, we must start with what he said about himself. The key to this whole dialogue is found in verse 6. Notice what Jesus says again. Blessed is, is the one who is not offended my, by me. The word offended means to fall away or to stumble. Blessed is the one or happy is the one that doesn't stumble on the account of me or fall away on the account of me. The Blue Letter Bible says it this way, defines stumble as to cause a person to begin to distract, to, dis- to distrust and desert one whom he ought to trust and obey. In fact, the English word in the translation of this is where we get the word scandal. So what is Jesus saying here? What is he saying? Are we quickly offended when things don't go our way and then do we fall away? For John, maybe Jesus didn't fulfill what he thought the Messiah should fulfill. That's why Jesus gives a very detailed description of what the Messiah would do. That the Messiah came, that he healed, that he raised the dead, that he preached the good news. See, we can have the same issue. We can say, well, I thought God would do this one thing, and then it didn't turn out the way I planned And we can falsely believe the notion that as long as I do good things, God will keep his end of the bargain. This is where a follower of Jesus, when we meet this tension in our life where our circumstances are are different from what I thought in my dreams and aspirations. And listen, we may all have good dreams and aspirations, but they may not work out the way we planned. My birthday's on Tuesday, 55. I actually got my first discount the other day. So um, I, I worked it. I got $2 off a discount. They said, how old are you? I said, I'm getting ready to turn 55. You get the discount. I didn't know whether to be happy or just cry and sob. I didn't, know, I didn't know what to do there. So I'm cheap, so I rejoice. So that's good. I go, if I'm going to get something I get, old, no, give me the discount. I want every discount I can get. You see, here's the thing. What, what we can end up doing is, is when, when things don't work out the way I planned or my dreams. How many of you, looking back over your life, when you were 20, 25, 30, you look back and say, boy, everything worked out just the way I planned. Right? You're like, man, it didn't. <laughs> None of it was. And it's amazing how God uses it for his purpose and his glory. See, the mistake many thought of Jesus' Messiah, that he was going to come and just rescue them from this tyranny of, the, of a Roman oppression. And maybe John had these same thoughts, like, here I'm in jail, where's the justice? Why aren't you coming to my rescue? But Jesus gave him the most comforting words. We know when we read scripture, we know that Jesus is going to come back one day. Come to the Revelation class, you'll, 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 we're going to talk about that. But he's going to come back as King of Kings and Lord of Lords, and we know he's going to make things right that he will come to rule and judge as king of kings and lord of lords. But when he came the first time, he came to deal with our biggest issue, and that was sin. And he came to give us the good news of a savior who's come into this world to take our sins upon his shoulder and show us the way to new life. That was his purpose. And so what he said to John's disciples is, here is the purpose of the Messiah. Every single one of those things is being met. And what do you want John to realize? You have to understand my purpose. And I understand the, the circumstance is difficult and we all face difficult circumstances in our life and it just doesn't seem to measure up sometimes. And what about my dreams? And some of us have good intentions and good dreams, right? How many know it's much easier when I do dumb things? Because then I'm just like, okay, God, I did this dumb thing, I repent, and it was it, my bad, God, my bad. And, but how many know when, when you do good things or your dreams aren't necessarily bad things, 
But it seems like doors are slammed and doors are slammed. And it doesn't seem to work out the way you want. And then you get disappointed. And then we go back and we start doubting, God, do you really love me? Do you really care about me? And, and it, in a way, if we're not careful, that's the offense that we draw. That we're offended that these things haven't gone the way we want and we begin to doubt who Jesus is. And what Jesus does for John is he, he, he wants John to focus back in on his character, on who the Messiah is. What's the, the, the hardest thing for a disciple of Jesus, a follower of Jesus, is to obey God when life doesn't make sense. Is to trust God when it doesn't make sense. When you're going through something difficult in your life and it just didn't turn out the way you want and your dreams are shattered, it's like, God, how do I trust you through this? But it's during those times that God does his deepest work in our hearts and our lives. And I believe that God uses the times of suffering in our life, the times of doubt in our life, to do his deepest work in our heart, in our life, if we just trust him with it. We have to trust the character of God. When I don't understand my circumstances or I don't understand the the curveball that life throws at me, I can do one of two things. And I do a lot of funerals as a pastor. And the one thing that I do when I stand before people, because many times people come into a funeral and probably most of them and the majority of them may not be followers of Jesus and they're just there to, to, to honor the the person that has passed away. And I'm honest with people. I say, listen, I don't have all the answers and there's some really difficult, difficult funerals that I've had to perform. And there's some things that I just say, you know what? I don't know why these certain things happen the way they do. I don't know. And I can't explain it. What I have to do, instead of looking for, to try to answer all my questions, because how many know that's just a long road that you're going to keep going down, 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 trying to figure out all the answers. What I have to do is I have to go back to who God is. These things I don't know, but these things I do know. That God is faithful, that the promises of God are true, that he will never leave us or forsake us. Jesus' words to his disciples are so clear and so vivid in the Gospels. He tells them, listen, I want to leave you my peace in John 16, 33. But he says, listen, in this world, everything's going to be perfect. All your dreams will be fulfilled. Your, your life is going to be wonderful, right? It's just going to be perfect. What does he say? In this world, you're going to have what? Tribulation and trials. That, wait, that doesn't make me feel good. How does that help me now, Pastor? But Jesus is realistic with his disciples. He says, but, but you know what? But take heart. I've overcome this world for you. This world is not our home. Don't put your comfort and your care here because I'm going to prepare a place for you, as he said to his disciples again in John 14. He says, don't let your hearts be what? Troubled. Trust in me, trust in in God, for in my Father's house are what? Many mansions, all you King James people out there. Many dwelling places, right? And I'm going there to do what? Prepare a place for you. Calm down. Settle down. You're going to face Jesus' true words painted a realistic picture of our life. And you know what? Sometimes we learn that the hard way, but that's okay. You know, many of you know the story of my wife and I losing our first child. Brutal, right? Anybody would say that's brutal. Some of you have gone through brutal things in your life. And that was almost 26 years ago. And it's still hard and it's still difficult. But the one thing I learned through that is I learned a theology of suffering that I knew that God could still work through suffering and that we could find his grace 
through suffering. And some of you have gone through deep things, deep scars in your life. And I believe that, I call them, I call them secret scars. Not that, you know, I've got my YMC tripping on the, the YMCA steps when I was eight years old, scar on my chin. And every boy and person has to have a scar somewhere, right? And it's a reminder. I, I, I go, I, every time I see it, I'm like, oh yeah, I remember when I fell on the steps, of, icy steps of the YMCA steps and there's my scar. But we all have hidden scars, don't we? We all do. Either the things that were done to us that were unfair or the things that we have done or how life threw us a curveball, the unexpected, things that were out of our control that we couldn't control, dreams that we wanted, aspirations that we wanted that didn't work out, that maybe left us at a point of hopelessness for a time. Jesus says, I understand all these things. And I want, you to, I want you to struggle through them. It is a tension. And I'm not saying it's easy and no one likes to go through it. But what Jesus says to John is focus on my character and who I am and I will bring you through this. You focus because our life in the hereafter is so much greater than what we see now and what our hope is here. He says, don't put it here. Don't put it here. How many know that God does good things here? I mean, there's so many blessings we have and I'm not saying that there's not blessings or God doesn't bless us here on earth. But I think what happens is if we're not careful, we can take our circumstances, our difficult circumstances, and if we're not careful, it can shipwreck our faith if we put all our hope in those things because we may feel like God has deserted us and he hasn't. And that's why we need to focus on the character of God. See, John's situation doesn't match what maybe he thought about the Savior. I did everything right, and why is this isn't working out? He, you know, he's in jail because he spoke the truth. Jesus, why aren't you bringing judgment? Why aren't you changing this situation right away? See, the ministry of Jesus' first coming was to seek and save that which was lost. And Jesus reassures John that everything the Messiah would do, he's doing. And it's not that he didn't care. He doesn't, he doesn't actually rebuke John. What he actually does is reassure John. So let me say something here. At times we need to struggle. We need to ask questions. Why questions are okay? Because it causes us to grow deeper in our faith. It, it's okay. That's all right. And I, and I know that doesn't mean we, we abandon our faith, but it causes us to grow deeper, to look at the scriptures and to understand the Jesus, who he really is that he still loves us in our suffering. That he's still with us. I'm sorry this isn't a big pump you up sermon today. I'm glad you're here though. I really am because I think we need to hear this and we need to understand how deep Jesus' love for us is even in our times of struggling. Many of you know the the story of of, um, Joni Erickson Tata. Um, Let me just share if you don't know the story. she was um, a teenager and she was from Baltimore, Maryland and she was swimming in the Chesapeake Bay and she dove in in a shallow end and, 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 and broke her neck basically and became a quadriplegic. She's in her 70s now. She's written some incredible devotionals and books on God using her through her pain and suffering and her disappointment and the struggles that she went through but how God is helping her and helped her through all that and we're the beneficiaries of what God has poured into her life. She said 
This, I love this one quote from her. It's one of my favorites. She says, true wisdom is found in trusting God when you can't figure things out. True wisdom is found in trusting God when you can't figure things out. You see, when I began to understand the theology of suffering that was taught in scriptures, it was things that I never saw before until I went through that deep trial in my life. You see, God uses that suffering to bring us closer to Christ. And sometimes I think, did I do something wrong? You may have not done anything wrong. It's life. We live in a fallen world, amen? We do. And so Jesus helped me to discover a Savior that would walk with me through my times of doubt. That one day things will be made right. And I don't know, maybe I'll get to heaven and all these things on earth will be explained to me and maybe I'll get to heaven and I just won't even care. I'm just glad I'm there. See, through the difficulties, it challenges us to seek the real Jesus, not the comfy, cozy Jesus with no problems. See, what, what is the answer to my doubt then? What is the answer to our offense when things don't go well or things don't go the way I want or when dreams are, are, are broken? Let me just say this. To struggle with an offense is okay. To struggle with like, why are you doing this, God? What am I going through? But here's the thing that Jesus warns us. As long as we don't take offense. Jesus, blessed are those who are not offended from me. And it, what Jesus are we seeking? The one who challenges us or the one who is, you know, easy like Sunday morning, all you Commodore fans, right? You know, it's difficult because we want life to go easy, don't we? We don't want the pro- No one wants the, the problems. But Jesus loves us too much. Too much. To let us stay in a comfortable state of mind because... Our faith is at stake. Our growth in him is at stake. Our dependency on him is at stake. See, we experience God's full grace through our weakness. We should, we should never know, we will never know God's full grace and strength until we go through a, tri- a trial or a struggle. The Apostle Paul, and we, many of us know this passage, the Apostle Paul went through something in his life and he called it a thorn in his flesh. I'm so glad that he called it a thorn in his flesh. We don't know what the thorn was. And if anybody tells you what the thorn is, just smack him in the head and say, you don't know, nobody knows. And I'm glad it's a general thing. I'm glad we don't know. Because uh, I think the passage helps us in a, in a greater and deeper way. And here Paul, I mean, the Apostle Paul, you'd think if this guy prays, God's going to answer his prayer. So if this guy has whatever thorn it is, whatever struggle he's going through, if, if, if he prays, God's going to answer it. And I want you to see Paul's reaction in his relationship to Jesus and how tender the Lord is with the Apostle Paul through this and how much God truly cares about Paul and his walk with him. He loved him so much and cared for him so much that he allowed him to go through this trial because he knew for the sake of that trial and for the sake of that suffering, he would experience God's grace in a deeper way than he would if he hadn't gone through that struggle. Are you hearing? That's preaching, people. That's good stuff. I'm preaching to myself right now. Amen? Let's listen to what he says. He says, three times I pleaded, I begged with the Lord to take away from me this thorn. But look at the Lord's response. He said, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power 
is made perfect in weakness. And I love what Paul says here. If I'm going to boast, I'm not going to boast in my strengths. I'm going to boast in my weaknesses. He says, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. Paul is saying, I'm going to allow this suffering to come into my life because I know through that and through my weakness and recognizing that, that Christ's power is going to be in me. And my strengths and my accolades are going to die in the face of the power of Christ in my life. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight, actually delight in my weakness and insults and hardship and persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. See, it's not that God wants to push us down in the dirt and keep us down there and say, you know, you're no good. What he was teaching Paul is, Paul, I want to keep you from becoming conceited. I want to keep you from depending on yourself. I want to keep you from depending on your own strength and your own abilities like you did before you met me. And through this weakness that you're going through, I'm going to display my grace through your life in my power. And so it's a dependency thing. This theology of suffering is a dependency thing. It causes us to depend more on the Lord. Even when I don't understand, I can depend on the character of God, knowing that he is faithful and that he is good, even though my circumstances aren't. It doesn't change who Jesus is. And I love this passage of Scripture because I think it helps each and every one of us that when we go through a difficult time and we feel that weakness and we feel like, where do I turn? What am I, I going to do? Christ is there and he says, no, in your weakness, I'm going to be strong. I'm going to help you through. I'm going to give you my grace to get through this. It's a reliance. It's a dependency on him and not myself. See, Paul discovered the real Jesus, the one who was with us through suffering and the one who will never, ever leave us. It was a deeper, deeper walk that he experienced with God that he wouldn't otherwise experience without the thorn. See, there may be some of you here today and you're like, Pastor, I've been, I've been struggling with this thing. I, I, read the, I read this one book by Jerry Bridges years ago. It's a classic. And um, it, it's a book on holiness. And in the book, he said something that I thought was just, it just stuck with me and it just stuck in my spirit. He said, the mistake we make many times as followers of Jesus is we say, I'm going to get this victory over this certain thing in my life. I've got to get the victory, right? Get the victory. So I'll never struggle with it again. He goes, what happens when we say that? We end up taking the credit. Now, I'm not saying that God can't help us to get over habits and habitual things. We're like, praise God for overcoming things in our lives and things that have held us down to all the glory to, to Christ. He goes, the problem with that victory thing is if we're not careful, we can end up depending on ourselves. What I love what Jerry Bridges said in his book on holiness, he said this. He said, instead, we should say that my life should be lived in daily obedience to him. That I die to that thing, whatever that struggle may be in my life, that I die to that thing daily and I become obedient to Jesus every single day and not run the gamut or run the risk of depending on my strength or feeling that I'll never struggle with that again. Because we lie to ourselves when we say that. 
when you feel like I'll never struggle with that again, that's when, when we could easily fall and, and, and rely on our own strength. That's why recognizing that weakness in my life or that struggle that I have in my life, it's, I give that before the Lord and that weakness before God and then Christ's strength now lives in me and he receives the glory to help me to live in obedience to him. So my question to you is, is, is what are you struggling with this morning? It, do, is there, if you're honest with yourself, and you look back over your life and something didn't work out the way you wanted it to, is there some offense that you have in your heart? It's, I'm not saying that you hate Jesus or you've given up on him, but there's that, there's that offense where you say, God, I just don't understand this. And, 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 and maybe it's festering. Maybe it's still there. Maybe there's some bitterness there. It's something that we need to lay down at Jesus' feet. Maybe it's something that didn't work out the way you wanted to or your life didn't work out the way you wanted. And there, it's just this... You know, maybe you've blamed God at one point. Is there, is, the, is there some offense there? Maybe you're going through something right now that you just don't understand or that you're struggling with and, and you're saying to yourself, why am I still struggling with this thing? I'm, I'm over it. I want to get done with it. And then Jesus says, listen, I want you to lay that at your feet, at my feet in obedience. And it, it may be something like this thorn in the flesh that you might struggle with the rest of your life. But you know what? Let me just say this. The struggle that you have doesn't have to dominate you. The, the struggle you have doesn't have to be your master. The struggle you have, you can place in obedience to the Lord and say, I may struggle with this the rest of my life, but Jesus, I know you're greater and I know your grace is sufficient in my weakness. And I know your power can live in me. See, the reason why, people, why many Christians get defeated, followers of Christ get defeated, is because they see that offense or that thing that they struggle with and they get offended with God and they're like, why do I keep struggling with the same thing over and over again? And then they just, it, they focus on that struggle and then they get defeated in the Lord and it's easy to walk away and get, and get offended. Where Christ says to us and, and tells Paul, no, listen, in your weakness, I'm going to be strong. There's your weakness. And you know what? I think it's okay to present our weakness to the Lord and say, God, I struggle with this every day and I need your help every single day. There's a dependency that now turns to Christ and his character and allows his grace and his power to live through you. So that's a hard verse. And I'm not going to say it's not easy, that dialogue. But Jesus was comforting John the Baptist by saying, I am who I am and you can trust me. I'm still good. I still will be faithful. I'm never going to leave you or forsake you. There's a bright future for all of us who follow Jesus Christ. Amen. Heaven awaits for those who have put their faith and their trust and their life in the hands of Jesus, our Savior. So this world is going to be hard, but Jesus overcame this world for you. And so maybe you're just dealing with those thoughts of doubt or whatever. Just what I would say to you, give those weaknesses to the Lord. I'm not going to tell you that you're going to find out all the answers tomorrow. You may never find out all the answers, but I know this one thing, that God is good. And he's faithfully walked with me through all these years. And he's never let me down. I know I've let him down, or maybe I haven't trusted him like I should, but he's never let me down. And the more we dig into his word and see his character and who he is, He's such a perfect Savior. 
even when life doesn't turn out the way maybe I want it to or maybe some dreams haven't been fulfilled, God is still good. And he still uses us for his goodness and his purposes. That's what a perfect Savior we serve. So I'm thankful that the Lord does provoke me at times in a good way. (laughs) That he does cause me to go through things even though I don't like it. He does it because he loves me. He wants me to grow in him. He wants me to lean on him because if I lean on this world, it will only lead to destruction and disappointment and hopelessness. Jesus wants us to trust him with everything we have, even when life doesn't make sense. So Father God, we just come before you today. Lord, I pray for your people today. I pray for those that are maybe watching online or those that are here live in person, Lord. Maybe there's something in their past. Maybe there's something they're struggling with right now of of how things just don't make sense, Lord. God, I pray that we would depend on your character more than the circumstance, knowing that you work all things for your good, God. You do, you do. And you ask us to trust that, knowing that you're working out all things for your good, God. And even though I may not see it or I may not understand everything, I can trust you. You've proven yourself to be a a, a fully trustworthy Savior in every way. But Lord, it comes to us that we obey you and we put our, our trust in you. That Lord, God, when we go through times of doubt that, that we wouldn't be offended Lord, it's okay to ask questions, but Lord, we would trust you and we would dig deeper and we would allow ourselves to trust you even greater as we read your word and as we trust you through prayer to do that deeper work in our heart. And we know what your word says is that we experience your grace in ways that we would never experience otherwise. So may we experience your grace. May we experience your power even in our times of weakness. Thank you that you don't leave us, you don't forsake us, and that nothing can separate us. Nothing can separate us from your love. You have bound yourself to us through your precious blood. You've made a covenant in your own blood. You've bound yourself to us. And Lord, I'm so thankful it's not dependent on my performance, on my goodness, but it's completely dependent on your perfect work on the cross. So thank you for providing everything for us that we can walk through this life knowing that you are with us. In your precious name, we ask these things. In your precious name, we ask these things. And all God's children said, amen.